salvation. Um, well, I, I could I could just dive right into it without telling you to turn somewhere. But again, that that just seems strange to me. So, uh, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter sixteen and verse eighteen. That is a verse we shared last week. That is a verse we will share this week. You will find there that Jesus says. I will build my church. We're going to speak primarily about the church tonight. Last week we talked about the family, the kingdom, and a little bit about the church. We, we talked about the family of God. Like we just sang about the family of God. It, it's, it's good to be a part of the family of God. The, and the family of God consists of all of those who have believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The family of God is, is one assembly, if you will, one family, everyone who has believed in Jesus Christ. And the only way to enter the family of God is by grace and through faith. Uh, you don't add anything to that to get into the family of God because God doesn't require it. It is just by grace and through faith. If with that you are in the family of God, the family of God's in heaven, the family of God's on earth. Everyone who has believed in the Lord is in the family of God. But the family of God is, is different from the church. Members of the family of God make up the church, but the details of the two are different as far as entrance and, and things about the family of God and the church. And then we talked about the kingdom of God last week, and this is not a visible kingdom uh, right now. Jesus is preparing His kingdom. Jesus is doing the work of His kingdom, and His kingdom is coming. He is coming again. Uh, we don't know that time that He is going to come, but we know that Jesus is coming. He's first coming to the clouds, and then He's going to rapture His children to Him, and there's going to be seven years of tribulation. But then He is coming to rule and reign upon this earth for a thousand years after that, and He is bringing His children to rule and to reign with Him. But the kingdom of God is not the church. And, and so as we dive further into the church tonight, we, there are still misconceptions for you and I to consider uh, that, that, that are in the world. There are man-made beliefs about the church. This word church in the Bible, uh, there's many, there are many who are confused about it and what church means. You know, and, and so with man-made beliefs about the church and those who listen to those man-made beliefs versus what the Bible says, confusion is going to always exist concerning the church. You know, some people think the church is the building. I mean, I'm talking about the brick, the stone, you know, the, the hardy plank, the, the stucco, whatever, the sheetrock, people literally think that the church is the building. Uh, you know, when, so, when we speak of the church down the road, hopefully we're picturing a body of people. 
But when someone else would say the church down the road, they are literally talking about the building. When someone speaks of the church on the hill, there are those who believe that that building, that that structure is the church. Okay? They're less than 10 miles from here, some 12, 15 years ago maybe, there was a building that was erected and it's a very religious looking building with a, with a lot of work put into it and it's been said that it cost $20 million to build that building and, and I ran into someone in the hospital uh, just sitting there in the waiting room and they thought that that was the church. They said, they said that the church ought to be beautiful. And that's the church. And what they were saying had nothing to do with people. It just had to do with a building. So there are people who think the church is, is the, the, you know, the brick walls, the steeple, the stained glass windows. Um, and that is literally what people think. But the church is not the building. There are some people who think that the church is an organization or a denomination. And I'm just going to directly address a big group who thinks that. And that would be the Catholics. Catholics believe that the church is an organization. They teach that and... and not only do they believe that the church is an organization, they believe that they are it, that they are the organization, that they are the church, and that they believe that the church is universal. The very definition of Catholic is wide variety or broad or worldwide universal. That's the definition. Nobody uses that term uh, in a sentence, but you, but you could. If someone likes to eat a lot of different kinds of food, you could say that person is very Catholic about what they eat. Now, nobody speaks that way, but it means uh, a wide variety, very, very broad. Uh, but, but I know we don't use it that way, but, but you get the point. The universal church, this phrase, this terminology... It came about in 169 A.D. After, after Jesus had had his earthly ministry and he gathered up his church and after other churches were started after that, then this term universal church came along, 169 A.D. And then in 313 A.D. in Rome, individual congregations were, were tied together, were consolidated together with a bishop over several congregations, um, overseeing them. But there were some groups who wouldn't join and be a part of that. There were, there were congregations back then which refused to join that movement. And those groups were the true churches. They refused to be part of that. And, and these true churches were Baptistic in belief. In other words, what we believe today, we, we trace a trail to us of the same belief that we have today as that early church before all of this business of universal church 
came about. The family of God is universal. Everyone who has believed in Jesus is in the family of God all over this earth. The kingdom is universal. The church, as we look at this word tonight, as we look at it in the Bible, look, the church could not be universal. The church is not universal. So there are those who believe that the church is literally the building. There are those who believe the church is universal. And then you have those who believe that the church consists of all the saved people, which is what the family of God is. But you have those who believe that the church is that. All the saved people are the church. That the church is the mystical body of Christ. So later on down the road, after this term universal church came about, then there was another term that came about, and it was invisible church. And this came on the scene at the time of the Reformation. Now, when we talk about the Reformation that came about, the reforming, look, let me say it this way. Certain groups did not accept or believe some of the beliefs, and I emphasize some of the beliefs, of the Catholics. So they separated themselves. I'm going to say, in one sense, they partially separated themselves because they only left some of those beliefs. Now look, ju just saying who we are and where we are and the differences here and, and what the church truly is, true Baptists reject not some of Catholic beliefs, but we reject all of them. We're not connected to them in, in any way. The entirety we reject. So we are not part of this Reformation movement. We weren't part of it at all. We are not Protestant. You know, there, there uh, are those who, who separated in, in the Reformation movement from the Catholics, and you had Catholic and Protestant. And, and we, as a true Baptist church, we are neither. No matter what you'll read in any kind of literature about it, you'll read that people try to put us in that category, but it, we're not there. And it's important that we understand that we're not there. True Baptist belief predates the Reformation. What we believe was before all of this stuff came about that we're talking about. So a lot of confusion has come about through the centuries concerning the church and, and what the church really is. But, you know, you think about the day and time when Jesus said, I will build my church. After he said that, he didn't write a five 
paragraph essay explaining what he was talking about. It was understood what Jesus was talking about when he said, I will build my church. There was a clear meaning Uh, right meaning of the word church that he used without all of this confusion that was later brought about. And this word church still has the same meaning today. So we've talked about some misconceptions of the church, but let's also tonight consider the meaning of the church. I said we would go deeper in that tonight compared to last week. So the church is a called out assembly. And last week we just briefly shared, when you look up church in the concordance, or you looked up churches, and you you find that over a hundred and all but one time doesn't mean the same thing. Now, Now, this word church in the Greek language, it's ekklesia. And, and when you look that word up, you not only find church, but you find assembly there too. So, so as we consider this word, the church, let's expound on it and, and see what we come up with in the New Testament when we find this word church. Well, one time, one time, it is used in reference to Israel in the wilderness. And we find that verse in Acts chapter 7 and verse 38. It says, This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. All right, one time it is mentioned for Israel in the wilderness. And then this word ecclesia, we find it three times in the Bible, and it, mean, and it stands for a Gentile civil assembly. And it was for one assembly, the assembly at Ephesus. And it's in one chapter of the Bible that we find the use of this word all three times, and that's in Acts chapter 19. And I'll read those three for you. And it's uh, starting in verse 32. It says, Some therefore cried one thing, and some another. For the assembly, there it is, was confused, and the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. And then in Acts 19, verse 39, it says, But if ye inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. And then the last verse of chapter 19, verse 41, it says, And when he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. So those three times this word is used for a Gentile civil assembly. Now the rest, the rest of them, being 111 times, this word means Christian assembly. And as we focus on the number of times this word means Christian assembly, um, out of that 111, 98 of these times, that's about 96% of them, we see the word refers to a particular assembly of baptized believers. 
So that's what we see for the majority of it. Well, what's left with that last 4%? What is, what is mentioned in those? Well, two times out of this 111, uh, a future assembly is spoken of. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 27 says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. Okay, he's speaking of the future assembly here, okay? There and also in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23. It says, To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. So those two times there is written of a future assembly. But now, as we look at 11 times that this word church is used in the Bible, this is where we find that people have a lot of confusion on the word church. Because as we look at the use of this word these 11 times, it's spoken of as institutional. It is spoken of in the general sense. You know, I'll go ahead and just give you a statement for example of what we're about to read. I'm going to read portions of all 11 of those times we find this word in the Bible. Now, if I said, in the church is where you can hear the gospel, that doesn't mean that I'm saying that there is one church that you can go hear the gospel in. I'm using the word church in general when I say that. And you find it used that way in the Bible these 11 times, like, like the place you turned in your Bible when we started here, where Jesus says, I will build my church. That does not mean that there's just one church or that it's universal or anything like that. You can turn to Ephesians if you want because we are going to look at about nine of these 11 verses or eight of them there if you want. And I'm going to start in Ephesians 1, 22. And again, every time I read this, it's going to say church and it's, it's going to be in the general sense like the statement that I made. For example, in Ephesians 1, 22, it says Jesus is the head over all things to the church. In, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Every, everywhere that I'm going with this, I have underlined it in my Bible and I have put institutional or generic sense beside it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21, it says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. He's speaking of church in general there too. Ephesians chapter 5. And verse 23, it says, For the husband 
is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Ephesians 5 and verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands in everything. Uh, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even if Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 29. It says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Colossians 1.24, last one. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Institutionally used or used in the general sense here. In the church is where you can hear the gospel. Is is someone really going to think that I'm talking about just one church or that the church is just one body? No, I'm using it in general here. And that's the way it's used in general. We just spent a lot of time in Ephesians. Consider Ephesians chapter 6 and the first five verses. You have terms that are used like children. And it says parents. And it says father. And it says mother. And it speaks of servants. And all of those are used in the general sense. You know, when you... Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure most Christian parents have, have went to their children and taken Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 to them. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now, when you say that... That child nor you are going to be thinking or talking about all children as one group. It's meant to be applied individually, okay? And it's the same thing with the 11 uses of this word church in the general. It's meant to be uh, applied personally in, in a sense that is not Worldwide, singular, meaning one church uh, on these 11 occasions. Uh, an, an expounding definition for church that we gave part of it last Sunday night. We talked a little bit about it tonight. But here's your definition for the word church. And if you want to write it down after service, I'll be glad to, to tell it to you. The church is an assembly of scripturally baptized believers united together by a common faith and fellowship in the gospel for the purpose of, of glorifying God through obedience to his word. That is what a church is. Churches are local and churches are called out assemblies. Churches are visible. The Bible 
does not speak of the church being a building. It actually says quite the opposite if you think about Acts chapter 7 and verse 48. It says, Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophets. Nor does the Bible teach that the church is an organization or a denomination. The Catholics believe that, and the Catholics teach that. Never, never is it correct to say that a group of congregations is the church. In, you know, think about, you know, Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. There was one church there, the church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi, the church at Colossae, the, the church of Thessalonica. The church, the, uh, the letter to the Galatians, there were more than one, there was more than one assembly there in Galatia. And you find in the beginning of that letter that Paul writes to the churches of Galatia. It's singular to those churches that are singular in the city, but when he writes to Galatia, where there are several assemblies, he pluralizes it. And he says to the churches of Galatia. The word church can never rightly be used in reference to something that is invisible or universal. Protestants make this reference though. They'll speak of a local assembly, but say that they are the reflection of the one true church, which is composed of all believers. They are not properly using that word, and that is not true to say that of a church. You can't speak of an assembly that has never assembled. You, you know, the church is likened unto a body. If you have a head in New York and you have a leg in California, how, how are they working together? You know, think about it. If you have an arm in London and, and you have a foot in Africa, how is that body functioning together? It, it's not. And that's not what the, what the Lord instituted. And that's not what the church is. The, these have never assembled. The Lord founded a functional, connected church. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4 says there is one kind of body and it is not, it cannot be a universal body. It is a local body of believers working together in one place. Paul said, again, going back to Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, that God hath put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body. He, again, He used that word church in the general sense there, and that, but that word body means a material substance. It's not something that is invisible. Body in the Bible is never used in reference to anything that is visible. 
So the church is a local, visible assembly of baptized believers whose rule and faith and uh, rule of faith and practice comes from the Word of God. Short message tonight. We're almost done. And there is one head. There is one authority over the church. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ and no one else. And so this is the church and what the church is. And this is what the church is not. And, and we find everything about the truth of the church, a scriptural church, we find it by the Bible. And we see that there have been these man-made ideas that have come up here and there, and they don't match the Bible. They are disproved by the Bible. And, and so we know what we are as a church. Trail of the blood be a good timing on, on reading that concerning what we believe that predates all of this man-made stuff that has come along. Thank God for the church. I'm glad to be in the family of God. I'm glad that a kingdom is coming. But I'm glad to know about His true church and to be in one of His true churches. Amen. And, and I don't know what to say about an invitation through, through some of these messages like this. But the truth is, it's only made up of those who are truly believers. My, my name went on a membership roll in a church, yet I was, I was, my name wasn't written in heaven. I didn't know Jesus. There's a way to get on a membership roll in a church. And, uh, but, it, but it doesn't amount to anything. And if there's anyone here tonight who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, well, the, that's the first thing you need for, for anything in the family of God, anything concerning the kingdom, and anything concerning the church. So if you never trusted Him for the forgiveness of your sins, we pray that you'd trust in Jesus tonight and you'd know His saving grace. And, and I, think about, I think about when the Lord saved me, and I didn't know much except for the gospel, but I had a, a longing and a hungering inside. That invitation to baptism sounded so amazing to me. And so the, the, the picture of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, was buried and raised again. I was, I was delighted to be invited to do that. And for the church to vote to receive me into the membership... And I became, and, and so just a few months earlier, I was looking around at all the people in the church and thought that they were so much different than me. And there was something amazingly different. And then all of a sudden, I became just like them. In the family of God, a member of the Lord's church. And after being saved from my sins. So if it, we're not going to have an invitation song tonight. This is your time of invitation from now until we leave the building. That if, that if you would like to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust Him, uh, I would love to show you by God's Word how that can happen. And, and you can enter the family of God immediately and then come before the church and be accepted in the church. Thank, thank God for His church, for the truth of His church that we still know today. 
Amen. It's the same thing that it always was. It's the same thing that Jesus instituted. And we're here because we believe that this is a true church. His true church is going to be on this earth until he comes to the clouds. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, Dustin, would you close us in a word of prayer tonight? And again, it's your invitation from now till you leave this building.